I'm Jill Miller. And I'm Mary Kastner. Those charismaniacs left you damaged and scarred. On behalf of Holy Spirit, we hope to offer some damage control. He wants a relationship with you. And we're here to support you along the way, whether it's in ministry or in your day-to-day life. Kia ora, Mary. Oh, oh, that was that was New Zealand. <laughs> that was. That's the greeting of in the native Tereo. That's awesome. Yeah. So anyways, how are you? I'm good. Um, I got to get out of town a little bit and escape the Phoenix 114 degree heat. So, but now I'm back and uh, definitely did not miss this part of it. So Phoenix is pretty awesome. This is just one of the two months out of the year that you do not want to be here. So You know that it never gets to 115 degrees or 114 degrees here in New Zealand. Nope. That's just saying. That's true. That's very true. Just saying. Um, if you want to escape it, you can always come here. I was going to, but semi permanently or the permanently. The government wouldn't let us. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to keep us apart. The worst. Yeah. 2020. Uh, Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's like every day I'm like, just why 2020? Um, no, but it's been really good. I mean, obviously we have it a lot easier than you guys down here, but that leads me into my glory story for the episode. Let's hear it. Because, yeah, I'm excited to share. So remember, I think I told, I think I mentioned it in a previous episode, but remember <laughs> Rob's barber that I talked about? I actually don't remember this. Okay. Well, if you don't remember, nobody else is going to remember. So (laughs) one day, you know, guys and their barbers, like they have this, like, I don't know. They get attached to a barber. There's like a sacred bond there. Yeah. It's just real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So ever since like we moved here, Rob had been going to this one shop, but they're like always super busy. So if he wants to go get a haircut, it's always like a three hour wait. And so Mm. one day I'd been like, hey... There's this barbershop that I pass by every day going to work. It looks like pretty quiet, but it looks like cool or whatever. You should just try it. And so um, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then one day he really wanted to get a haircut and he didn't want to wait three hours. So he's like, I made an appointment at that barbershop. I was like, cool, we can go. And we share a car. So usually if he goes anywhere, I take him or vice versa. Um, So... I, I went with him to this barber appointment. <laughs> That's awesome. And the do- guy was like super awesome. And then he's like, hey, yeah, you can come sit in the chair next to him because it's just him in the shop. He's the owner. And he was like, what do you do for a living? Asked me. And I was like, oh, I work for the Catholic Church. I'm a, like, I work with young people. And he was like, oh, cool. And he like turned to Rob and he's like, how about you? And so Rob told him. And he like pretty much just asked Rob, if if he went to church and like then rob was like nah and then started going off in a spiel and then the guy like just started telling him like his conversion story and like no way talking to him yeah which is really awesome and i was like oh my gosh it's happening zap him jesus <laughs> zap him yeah and so then he like hayden one of my coworkers, went in like the next week or whatever because he had been looking for a good barber so i was like you know sending everybody to the guy who loves jesus that's amazing and 
Hayden went and he was talking about how he's because he's based out of Wellington and his wife's in Wellington. And so he's like, hey, like I'm going to Wellington to go get baptized at his Protestant church. And so the next time I went in with Rob, I had like gotten him a card and then got him like a little travel Bible or whatever and just said, hey, you know, like congratulations on your baptism, blah, blah, blah. And so um, then that kind of like forged this friendship between us and Matt the barber. Matt the barber. Because Matt the barber is awesome. So he came over to dinner and stuff. And, oh, no um, way. Because he's wow. here. At, yeah, he came over to dinner at our house and then... Um, Long story short, we have managed isolation facilities, and so the hotel that he is right above his building is now a government isolation building. And so he's back in Wellington. So we were planning on going to Wellington for Kira's, one of my friends, police college graduations. And so we went down there, and Matt was like, yeah, you can come like hang out with us, come stay at our house. So we stayed at Matt the Barber's house, which was super awesome. <laughs> and great but yeah it was just a really like huge like glory to god because we had had some some unexpected you know like our dogs are still back home and so we'd had some unexpected mm. yeah unexpected money that was going towards them things that i just hadn't budgeted for and rob's not working right now so we're a single income <laughs> right and so it was like i woke up to text message from the guys watching the dogs and i was like panicking because, you know, I'm trying to be really wise with our money and stuff. And I, like, opened the scriptures and the Lord was like, pretty much, he was just like, just trust and just be, like, trust that it'll be okay. Mm. And then the next day was when I was talking to Matt and I was like, yeah, we're coming to Wellington or whatnot. And he was like, oh, come just stay at our house. Like, you don't have to, we can have you and host you. And so, literally, like, the amount of money that we would have spent on accommodation was, like, the difference. <laughs> Wow. Between what I had budgeted for and what I had to spend extra for the dog. So the Lord provided and through Matt and continues to provide through Matt the barber. Matt the barber. Matt is awesome. Did you and tell Matt maybe one day, the barber about Don't Shove the Dove? I did. Matt, I hope you're listening to I did tell Matt, Matt the barber. The barber. <laughs> yes, Matt, you're awesome. And yeah, you're the man. Thank you for telling my husband. <laughs> Thank you for telling my husband about Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so great. And everybody who's in Wellington should go to Carve Barbershop because that's where Matt works. What's it called again? Carve. Carve. Okay. Yep. Like carving a turkey. Cool. Just call it Carve the Turkey Barbers. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Featuring yep. Matt the Barber. <laughs> or if you're in Tauranga or Auckland too, you can go to Carve. That's sweet. Matt owns all of them. He's wow. the man. He's the man. Matt the man. Anyways. You're the man, Matt. Um, so what's... <laughs> Uh, what is your glory story, Mary? Now that I'm putting you on the spot. Um, I, have, I have a cool glory story. It's short. As I mentioned, I got to get out of Phoenix, which was awesome. So just escaping the heat. But my glory story is that, so I actually went camping. And the first time, like legit, like backpacking, you carry everything on your back and you hike miles. And this was like a very intense, I feel like I can like survive the wilderness now. So like if, if everything just kind of goes to crap and <laughs> I have to live in the wilderness in America with 2020, for whatever reason, I feel ready. Um, but my glory story is that while we were out there camping the group I was with, there was a point where um, we wanted to end like our, our trek 
and there were shuttles where like they'd take you back to your car at whatever point on this like track that you were on they could take you but the problem was the shuttle would only come if you called them and you could only call them if you had service <laughs> and we definitely did not have any service and there was a point where we got to this parking lot that the shuttle would come to if you would call it and no service and we knew that we wouldn't get it anytime soon and one of the the people that was with us they felt moved to walk up to this dude that had a truck there and they offered to basically give us a ride because they wanted to get service too so a bunch of us just hopped into the back of their truck we were driving to get service they stop and they were saying we're like probably like 10 miles from our car right so not crazy far of a long walk right but like um and we're talking to these guys they pop out of their car they stop because we're still not getting service we drove like several miles and still no service for anybody and um one of the guys pops out and he's like yeah we were trying to get service because we locked our my buddy locked his keys in his car and so we were trying to get OnStar or whatever to come out and break into the car but we can't get service and one of the guys that was with us goes i have a wire hanger and an air bladder in my car right now that we can use to break into your car, but you just have to drive us to our car. And it was perfect. It worked out awesome. So we got a ride to our car and we literally had the exact tools that these people needed for the exact random circumstance that they were in. So I was like, thank you, Jesus. I didn't have to walk another 10 miles. <laughs> And that is my glory story. So I don't know if like what's more of a glory story that you had like those things and that you found them or that they weren't like ex murderers. That too, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Could have done. They the didn't woods. just you know like kidnap you and drive off. Is that's it, like the the eternal pessimist in me. That's like <laughs> you could have died. We could have died. We could have. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. This is why we work together, because you're, like, optimist, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I'm like, people are good. No. Nope. Just like, <laughs> Some people are good, but <laughs> some people are not. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, we've been talking about that at, at work as well, that I'm, like, the realist of the bunch. But That's amazing. Anyways. Yeah, I wanted to to share and as a kind of segue. So I've been running these called and gifted seminar studies with some of our young adults, which has been super fun. And called and gifted, if you haven't heard of it before, I think we have mentioned it before on the podcast, but it's amazing. It's run through the Catherine of Siena Institute um, with Sherry Waddell, who wrote Forming Intentional Disciples. Um, and it's all about like, you take an inventory, right? And that inventory will kind of give you um, as a discernment tool for what charisms and gifts you might have that the Lord desires for you to use for the common good for the kingdom, right? And the the distinction, like it's, it's funny because I take the charism inventory or whatnot and a lot of the stuff that I get are gifts that like have been discerned. <laughs> like that's what cool. I have. 
So it's actually like really good confirmation of things. But I wanted to kind of talk about that idea of, of charisms and gifts. So I think that it's been really interesting kind of seeing this unfold, right? Because Sherry with the called and gifted stuff, it's blown up and it's super popular and people think it's great. But there's a lot of those same people that are super hesitant when you talk about charismatic gifts. <laughs> yes. They're like, lot. I don't know if that exists or not. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was doing like a little bit of research and, and reading and stuff into the catechism because catechism, I think, is a great place for us to start and talking about charisms and gifts. And it makes that kind of distinction, right? And so this is the Catechism, paragraph 2003. And it says, Furthermore, there are special graces called charisms, after the Greek term used by St. Paul, meaning favor, gratuitous gift or benefit. It says, Whatever their character, sometimes it is extraordinary, such as a gift of miracles or tongues. Charisms are oriented towards sanctifying grace and are intended for the common good of the church. Um, so basically, they're at the service of uh, charity, which builds up the church. And so I think that's a really good lens to look at things because we're going to start talking today about one of the gifts, gifts of tongues. And so I think that's a really good lens for us to look at things from of the church, right? Any gifts that we have are for the building up of the kingdom, right? Like right. the Lord equips us with these gifts and the church says that they exist, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of people think that maybe gifts existed at one point and then they've stopped, but the church clearly recognizes that there are gifts of the Holy Spirit that people are given to be rock stars. And it's kind of, I feel like Marvel Avengers, we all have different <laughs> gifts and it's like Avengers assemble, you know, <laughs> that's how my but brain really works. Though, but it's a real thing. Yeah. When we talk about gifts, it's not just us sharing, like everything else, there's a structure to how we want to present these things to you. Right. One, namely, is like sharing our own witness. But in order for us to really grow and to use these gifts as, as much as or as well as possible, right, and the, how the Lord intends us to, there's usually three things that have to happen. That's um, that somebody has a knowledge of the gift. So what is it? Yeah, ideally, you know, it exists, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that there's an openness to receiving the gift. Mm -hmm. And that there's like a, a preparation that happens there. And so hopefully, in as we cover different series on different gifts and stuff, we're hoping to really bring you those three things, right? Help you be more open to it, help mm -hmm. you know what it is, how it works, and then help you to prepare maybe your prayer life or your sometimes it can be your schedule and how you approach people and your relationships for that but and preparing your heart to receive um this gift and its fullness and then helping you grow in that afterwards i'm really glad you said that though jill because i feel like that's the thing that gets missed out or, or left out i should say when gifts come up and that that's one of the flaws i've seen most commonly in charismatic circles when it comes to gifts is um, acknowledging, like you had said in reading that part of the catechism, how it's ordered towards the building up of the church and charity, right? And when I've seen kind of people go off or abuse the gifts, um, that's the point that's usually missed in their formation. Mm. 
And so that's huge to recognize that like one, these gifts exist. The church acknowledges it in the catechism, obviously in scripture and that they're ordered towards the edification. So the building up of the church and, and towards charity. Some of the things that I've also experienced or seen in charismatic movements is that like people will just pray for gifts without the recipient really having any kind of knowledge of of what it is or or whatnot and then um there's sometimes this this idea that as long as i i pray for it once then you've received it (laughs) (laughs) and like you're just kind of like okay cool you're sent out without any like kind of idea of how to use it or what that means and the implications of it mm-hmm. in your life. And, um, that has not been my experience. Um, right. My experience is that sometimes you don't receive a gift. Oh, totally. Or sometimes you receive it after a long time of persistence and mm-hmm. asking the Lord for it a lot. Um, sometimes you receive it, but it's not manifesting. So, you can't necessarily operate in it yet because mm-hmm. there might be some blocks there that you have to pray through and it's okay. Like there's also sometimes this, I think jealousy of gifts of, I want that gift, but I have this gift and that one's cooler than mine. And that's not really the, that's mm-hmm. not really how it works. The Lord gives us all different gifts. Well, I mean, some of us have the same gifts, but he gives people different gifts for different reasons because you have a purpose, right? And your purpose, he's going to equip you with the things that you need for your purpose. Right. And sometimes that doesn't mean that you have one thing or the other. <laughs> right. And we wouldn't, obviously with the church, we're, we're, the, we're a body, right? And if we all had the same gifts, there wouldn't be a need for each other. Right. Yeah. It, it would just... But I could be on my own, you know, and, and that's not the way that the Lord made us. He actually, Mm. even in his giftings, he set it up and ordered it in such a way that we, we need each other. Like Mm. you you can't just, you need each other. There's um, a presenter on the called and gifted video that actually I thought explained it really well, probably better than what I've heard is that they have this saying that like you're always in the minority and he's hmm. talking about like think about um a football team right that a football team you have one quarterback you have maybe two or three receivers you have one center and like when you look at things those positions are always in the minority there's not very many people of with the skill set that they have right and it's the same for our charisms and gifts we're always in the minority right because maybe we have the charism of healing, but we also have the charism of celibacy, right? Those those things interact and interplay differently. And so even the way that we, we can operate in those gifts are different. Um, and so I think when we, when we talk about gifts, to realize like one of the gifts that we've been given are still gifts and they're like given out of abundance, right? The Lord is giving you, not because we're owed anything, <laughs> So if the Lord's giving you a gift, don't be like, ah, man, I wanted that other gift. Like, (laughs) That's probably not a good attitude to have. But also to realize how can I use this and and make the most of it Mm -hmm. instead of taking that for granted and being like, ah, everybody has this gift. Right. And there there's something that it's not it's meant for for everyone around you, not you. 
Right. And I've heard the lines you said that it's like you were saying, Jill, you can't earn it. Um, and I've heard someone say before that they're called gifts and not awards. Right. So it's not something mm. that, and, and I've seen people do that with different gifts, right. Where it's like a badge of honor. Oh, this person came into this gift and wow, they're so awesome. Now I'm you know. so holy. I leveled up. <laughs> leveled up. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, honestly. It's... Clearly, I've been playing a lot of video games. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, it's it's something where you really, when you come into a gift, it's, it's not for you and you didn't do anything to earn it. So it's, mm. and it's for the building up again of the body. And, and I think with these, these kind of episodes where we go into teaching on a particular gift too, it's just to help you in, in stewarding it, you know, and, and opening yourself up so that you're educated. Because um, Paul even said in Corinthians, I desire that you not be ignorant about the spiritual gifts, right? So that's one of the things that we'd like to accomplish in this podcast is to help you learn more you know, from a scriptural and a Catholic perspective, right? And to not be ignorant. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) So today is our first part of our series on the gift of tongues. So we're doing a two-part series with this. So hopefully today we share a little bit of our experience and a little bit about what the gift of tongues is, the scriptural basis for it. And then next week we can talk about a little bit more of how that's relevant to your life. So tongues, dun, dun, dun. What's the deal? I feel like this is one of the the gifts that people have the hardest time with um, or Mm. get in their head very much. And um, it's a very controversial gift, I feel like. It is. And it's it's a really simple gift. It is. And it's so scriptural. There's basically, Paul spends an entire chapter in Corinthians, basically breaking down tongues. And yet there, there is kind of this, I mean, the gifts are supernatural, right? So that, that means that they're not in a, they're not normal, you know, or what we consider. We're not going to wrap our heads around it completely ever. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I actually want to, I have a question for you, Jill. How, how were you first introduced to tongues or what was your first impression of it? Honestly, was it like, Oh, I thought it was like, no, I thought it was weird. (laughs) Um, Uh because I went to, I I think I might've talked about this before, but I used to go to the charismatic conferences in New Orleans. So CCR, you know, used to run this giant charismatic conference and, um, in new orleans and my family and i used to go when i was a kid like when i was like 11 or 12 and i remember i used to go to the youth sessions or the youth track and this lady came in and she talked about tongues and honestly i don't really remember what she said but i remember that she just like called everybody to the front of the room and then prayed over everybody at the same time for the gift of tongues and i was like what this is so bizarre (laughs) what the heck what is this yeah, it's like, what is this? Like, you didn't even, like, can that, is that a thing? You just pray over a crowd and everybody receives the gifts of tongues? <laughs> like, that kind of seems a little bizarre. And it, and that was my impression of it for a really long time, I think. 
And then I'm not exactly sure how I became, I think probably actually getting to know people who had the gift of tongues Mm -hmm. and seeing them operate in it. And then being like, oh, I actually really respect that person. If that's something that they do, then maybe it's not as like wacko and maybe I should (laughs) rethink this. Um, That's kind of how I feel about a lot of things, right? Like the people that Mm -hmm. like you respect, sometimes you're more open to things because you're like, oh, I respect them and I know that they're mature disciples and holy people. So maybe I Mm -hmm. need to at least reconsider it and take it to my own thoughts and prayer and study um and try to learn a little bit more about it and so yeah i was like that was probably how i became more open to the idea of tongues again mm-hmm. but then i got received baptism of the holy spirit and then gift of tongues right afterwards which is why we decided to do this episode because we gift of tongues usually comes um as a sign of baptism of the holy spirit not all the time but usually mm-hmm. it's, it's probably the most common thing to follow yeah. And and so for me, that was the case. I received my second baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You did too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I received the gift of tongues. And I remember getting prayed over and the priest told me, like, keep, keep practicing and keep praying in tongues for the next day or so, mm-hmm. you know, when you're doing things or, or whatnot. And he said, and you're going to have within the next day, you're going to have doubts that it's real. And just kind of push through that. And I think that was really good because it is a gift that when you receive it, sometimes Mm -hmm. you're like, am I just doing weird things with my mouth? (laughs) 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 Noises are coming out, you know? And it is really easy because you're so, it's so foreign to us. Yeah. And it's also really easy. Like if somebody wanted to fake it, it could be really easy for them to do that. Right. And so you're like, am I a poser? Am I not? I am not. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, so I'm glad that he told me that and I did push through and and I wasn't gonna like I'm not gonna lie, like there are times when sometimes those doubts do creep in. But one day I was praying, I had a core team retreat and I had a core member that had she'd done Peace Corps abroad and I was praying over her and praying for healing and I started praying in tongues. And then afterwards she came up and told me that she like recognized words that I was saying Whoa. as, yeah. So it's like huge confirmation. And so if you just kind of trust in that, I mean, I don't know. I speak Spanish and English for me. That was a huge confirmation that the gift, it is genuine and it is real. Um, and I know a lot of people who have had that same experience of people coming up to them and saying, I understood words that you were saying. <laughs> in mm-hmm. uh mandarin or cantonese or you know and wow. these people have no idea yeah so how about you mm-hmm. mary um i i mean this kind of reflects both of our dispositions with like my glory story and you kind of being like uh people are crazy mary and i'm like oh people are great um so my <laughs> my first impression of tongues, I didn't see it until college was the first time I was exposed to it in Steubenville. Super tratty household. <laughs> yes, super tratty. <laughs> that yeah. wasn't meant to be a, a shot at. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But we, we were, we were. Um, I mean, my dad, my dad, who's hilarious, would make jokes about like, even the idea of raising your hand during praise and worship. Was, yes, like, tell them the story. 
tell them the story about what your dad said. Sorry, this is a really great story. You're going to be happy Wait, that I interrupted which you. Which story, though? Like the one from what the you one said where in high you're... school? Yeah, with people raising their hands. So, okay. This, this is, is one of my favorite quintessential Fred Kastner <laughs> moments. This is, I love my dad. He's wonderful and brings so much joy into my life. So, when I was in high school, I, the, the very first kind of Christian music band I was introduced to was Casting Crowns. They were like just coming out and big at the time. And so my parents decided oh, to we're take so to old. Oh, I know. Like Casting Crowns is like forever ago and they're still going strong, but you know, <laughs> back when they were starting. Um, so we went to a concert and I, I had never really seen praise and worship or like kind of like expressive praise and worship before that and I just remember I'm kind of an observer like I'll just kind of people watch and and figure things out just from there and so I see all these people with their hands in the air as they're singing along with the lyrics and and like praying and I'm just kind of like what is that why are they doing that um I'm not sure what's going on and I was enjoying it though and then I I just remember this moment or my dad just kind of like leaned over um, and he's like right next to my ear. And I'm thinking, oh, dad's going to explain what's going on. It's going <laughs> to totally make sense now. He leans in and I'll never forget the moment that he whispers, Mary, look at those schmucks with their hands in the air. <laughs> and I just like lost it. And then my immediate reaction, of course, is, well, I don't want to be a schmuck, so I'm not putting my hands in the air. Yeah. And then I, the problem came when I went to college where all of my- And then you became a schmuck. Well, all my friends were schmucks, apparently. (laughs) So then I became a schmuck. I was like, well- Was there a moment when you were like, dead, I have to have a serious conversation with you. I am a schmuck. (laughs) <laughs> I kind of wish there had been that moment. I do remember. <laughs> Me too. That would be the best closure of the story ever. It's hilarious. I do remember like multiple, like every time, basically, I remember every time I would come back for like a visit during college breaks, my dad would ask me, Mary, are you one of those schmucks yet that raises their hands in the air? And it wasn't until I think like my sophomore year that I felt comfortable saying, yes, dad. I'm now a schmuck. <laughs> yes. So, anyways, back to tongues. Sorry, <laughs> but I know that you guys all, um, the third chair, really appreciated that. It was great. Fred Kastner, amazing man. Very proud of him. Um, but yes, so kind of right off the bat when I got to Steubenville, I experienced the schmucks, right? And <laughs> like um evaluate was evaluating and processing that and i remember the same like kind of first big praise and worship event on campus um there were people raising their hands in the air and i noticed people speaking in tongues and a lot of people like it wasn't like a few during worship there were a lot of people and i remember I think I might have even externally processed this and said it out loud i think i remember actually saying out loud Lord, I actually was like, I'm sure that this is real, but it's not for me. It's not for me at all. <laughs> I'm never going to be one of those people. Like, I just remember saying that. Like, I, it was the balance of, 
I'm sure that it's real. I'm sure there are some people here that are like actually speaking in tongues. Totally weirds me out, not for me. And it wasn't until halfway through college, basically like my, what was it? It was like my junior year when uh, I kind of got to know more people that had it. And I don't know if I really talked to them about it though or not. But for me, it wasn't, it wasn't with baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've been prayed over for baptism of the Holy Spirit. Was that when you were in Austria? It actually, it was just before Austria. So we were on a, a retreat for the music ministry at Steubenville. And we were doing praise and worship. I think I was on that retreat. Were you there? Yeah. You might I'm have been. I'm pretty sure I was. My junior year, probably. We just this didn't know each other we I thought you were the, the, the angry person... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just thought Jill was angry, so I didn't talk to her until like the end of my. Yeah, I'm pretty year. sure I was on that retreat. So anyway, um, I looked at you and I was like, "Oh, that girl's so cool. I wish hilarious. I could be like her." I was like, "Why is this girl glaring at me? I hope she doesn't beat me up." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yep, go ahead. But for me, I just actually started singing in tongues during worship. That's what happened to me. I it was it when it wasn't like. I don't know, something took over me and I had no control of myself, but it was kind of in between the song where people were kind of free praising. Um, I was singing and just my my tongue started like moving faster and um, just different words came out and I just went with it. And it was so free. <laughs> I was just like, okay. Um, but it, it was so free and... Uh, Like I felt the Lord and I just like knew it was him. And, but it was crazy because it wasn't something where somebody prayed over me and uh, Mm. I came into it and I didn't speak in it first. It was, I I sang in tongues before I spoke in tongues. So you never were prayed over for the gift of tongues? No. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was, uh. It was, it was different for me, but I definitely was one of those people when I first encountered it where I was at least like, I know that this is real. I'm sure that some people here are actually speaking in tongues. I don't want it. It's not for me. It's too weird. You know, and I was wrong, obviously, <laughs> that the Lord, usually when you do that, he like blows it up and, you know, yep. so never say never with I've Jesus, that. but you know, never say never. <laughs> Pope Francis sprays in in tongues did you know that who is that pope francis oh pope francis i have heard that um i heard that who else uh pope john paul ii saint pope john paul ii my man um and padre pio too crazy right so lots of saints and also and saint paul and saint paul obviously (laughs) like but it's it's actually more common than i think people realize and for people that have very contemplative spiritualities actually within the church and kind of some heavy hitter saints right even if you actually want a really funny story look at mother angelica's story for when she came into the gift of tongues crazy um basically she got in a nutshell, I'm leaving a lot out of this for time's sake, but she was prayed over for it by a priest. And the rest of that day, anytime she went to speak, only tongues would come out. She like couldn't <laughs> speak in English for the rest of the day. And this is Mother Angelica. Yeah. I, I don't know yeah. that you get more orthodox and kosher than that, you know? 
But that was her experience. Every time she'd open her mouth the rest of the day, only tongues would come out. Where do we get the basis for the gift of tongues? Like, where does that come from? Uh, obviously, I would say scripture, which is which is crazy. <laughs> I mean, uh, obviously, scripture deal. <laughs> but, I mean, and you mentioned, too, for people who struggle with maybe just going off of scripture, um, and, and I've experienced this. this is real, I've, I've experienced people, even priests in the church, that the scriptures on tongues are not enough for them. So even going mm. to the catechism, like you cited in the catechism earlier in the episode, it mentions tongues in the catechism. This is not, it's not crazy. It's acknowledged explicitly by the church. Mama church. So obviously we see tongues in, in Pentecost, right? Like right. The fire, tongues of fire come and then people start speaking in tongues. So that's probably like, I mean, unless we want to talk about the Tower of Babel, but. Right. That's probably like the first place that we really see the gift of tongues as a gift, the coming with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right. And and I think what happens in the church a lot, which which we talked about, if you wanna if you haven't listened to this episode yet, but our episode on cessationism, um, it's a really mm. big word, it's a heresy. And it's this understanding that this false understanding that the gifts um, basically died with the apostles, like the Holy Spirit doesn't move in giftings mm. anymore, and that's a heresy. Um, and we can fall into this mentality of, well, oh, no, 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 like these gifts were only for the apostles or only for people that are super, super, super holy. The Holy Spirit doesn't really do mm. that anymore. And we're all called to be super, super, super holy, so no excuses. There is that. <laughs> so <laughs> there is that. But if you, so if you need more, or if you want more confirmation on this, or even more scriptural support, there's an entire chapter in Paul's letter to the Corinthians that Paul dedicates to tongues. And so it's in chapter 14, and I'm just going to pull some snippets of quotes to give you right now. These are some pretty First old, Corinthians 14. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter 14. So Paul says in verse five. I desire that you all would speak in tongues. I desire that you all would speak in tongues. That's a really bold statement. That's not, well, some of us have it. Some of us are holy enough. <laughs> We've reached this level. No, 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 no. I desire that you all would speak in tongues. And he actually gets kind of arrogant and cocky in parts of it. I was laughing reading First uh, Corinthians 14 earlier today. Because there's a part uh, when he gets to verse 18, he actually says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. That's just like, <laughs> wow, Paul. All right, Paul. <laughs> okay, we get it. Um, you're a fan of the gift of tongues. And he even goes so far as to say, which I've seen this happen in, in different ministry circumstances. Um, he actually says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. And... and you see this in some circles, Catholic and just Christian or whatever. Mother Teresa used to or forbid her sisters from speaking in tongues, from praying in tongues. Mama T, come on. <laughs> like, but I bet Mama she's regretting that now in heaven. Yeah, I know. That must have been Was that edgy for me to say? Jesus, you know, 
Hey, I'm sorry. I recognize that you're really holy, Mother Teresa, but you forbid my people from speaking in tongues, and that kind of upsets me. No, I'm it's okay. She's still a saint, and she's really holy, okay? People mess up. It's okay. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Not even Mother Teresa. Um, but, yes. But, so, you see this, like, and, and I've, but it's, it's been done in ministries where people aren't allowed to, or it's, I, I had a, I've been at multiple parishes now, so this doesn't implicate any priest in particular, but one parish I was at, we had a staff meeting and we were talking about a retreat that we had just had with some of the teens and it was on the Holy Spirit and it was more charismatic and some kids came into gifts or had very powerful experiences of the Holy Spirit. And we were reading a letter, I was reading a letter during the staff meeting to everyone about just someone sharing some of their experiences with it. And I mentioned tongues in in the letter I was reading that this person had mentioned tongues, how they had experienced tongues and the priest, uh, the associate pastor burst out laughing in the staff meeting because tongues was mentioned. Like he found it laughable and that's, that's seeped into church culture where mm. it's it like even priests, find it laughable and it's scriptural it's in the catechism this isn't like a fairy tale idea you know that just came mm. out of nowhere it's acknowledged by the our pope prays in tongues and if it's really something of god and you're laughing at it yeah you know and even paul says at the end of that chapter in corinthians this is a really bold statement he says if anyone after talking about tongues the entire chapter he goes if anyone does not recognize this he is not recognized ouch (laughs) you know that's a zinger yeah thanks paul so we want you to recognize it you know you you don't all have to become tungsters you know (laughs) like um moving the gift for the normal person that's slang for someone who speaks in tongues Mm -hmm. but we want to acknowledge that it's there and that it's real yeah. and it, and it's better to understand and not be ignorant of, yeah. of tongues or of the gifts or of the Lord, right? Yep. I guess the easiest way that I look at things, right, is when somebody asks me about the gift of tongues. What is, what is your elevator pitch, Mary, when somebody, when you're explaining the gift of tongues to someone? Mm. I usually don't get into it. If I do, it's I take more time with the person. Um, but essentially, one of the distinctions I make is, well, first of all, like we had already said, it's real. It's acknowledged by the church, right? So if I'm talking to somebody who's yep. at least on the baseline of being Christian and or Catholic, I can go off of that and just yep. establish one. We acknowledge to the church that it's real and it it's a real gift that that happens and that operates. Um, but two, I make the distinction that there's different types of, of tongues. And the most common one, just to keep it simple, um, I just call it like your prayer tongue. And it's, it's, it's basically the Holy Spirit guiding your speech. And, and you don't know what, you're, what the Holy Spirit is saying through you when you're, when you're speaking. But it's the Lord knows what you're saying, and it it 
pierces and like moves his heart and it and it's it's perfect whatever is being said the translation of it is is perfect and beautiful and you're praying for things in a way that like it talks about um in scripture how we don't know how to pray as we ought and a lot of times for me when i pray in my prayer tongue which is just a mystery between myself and the lord um how do i put it basically the the holy spirit gives you the perfect words and I heard Bill Johnson, who's a Protestant pastor, make a a funny um, analogy for it almost, where the Holy Spirit asks for exactly what you need. And so in your heart, you can be like, this is an exaggeration, right? But you can be like, Lord, or you can be out loud, like, Lord, give me a Ferrari. Like, I want a Ferrari and I want a million dollars. And then you pray in tongues and the Holy Spirit's like, don't give marry the Ferrari. Don't give her a million dollars. It's going to ruin her life. You know, <laughs> it's going to consume her. It would not be good for her. And, um, it, it's, it's I obviously like an exaggeration and an exaggerated analogy, but the principle is similar. It's, it's kind of the same. And the other thing I usually clarify with it, and I make a point to clarify is that, so the Lord doesn't operate through possession or taking you over in, in like certain ways. Like, he acknowledges your free will. And so people get freaked out with tongues because they think the Lord's like taking over the person and they don't have any control. And the analogy that I've used is with, with the gift of tongues, it's a unique gift where it's, it's like the Lord's given you a power drill. Okay. Like he's handed you a power drill and you can choose when to pull the trigger and when not to, right? You can choose yeah. when to move in in that gift and use it and, and it takes an action on your part of beginning the the faculty of speech but then the lord kind of guides it and takes over from there so it's not like the lord takes over your body and you have no control and you know it's it's not this weird thing um you choose when to move in it or not um but it is something where it's it's not you just babbling whatever either right so it's 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 hard to explain without like providing the experience of it for a person but um i know for me it's it's been a really powerful gift and it's something that i know it's not me coming up with the words if that makes sense i like and i've even experienced when i move in it there's like a quickening of my tongue where like i couldn't come up with with what's coming out if that makes sense. Yeah. It's really hard for you to make words sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I have a hard enough time with English. So <laughs> it's just, it's just thrill, you know, but, uh, so it's definitely supernatural Man. for me. We love each other guys. I promise. <laughs> but what would, what would you say, Jill? Or is there, is there anything that you'd add to that? Like for somebody who's um, just getting introduced to it, and trying to explain yeah so most it. of the time when i encounter that it's uh if i'm doing prayer ministry and i w- and i'm praying in tongues so if somebody comes up to me for prayer for healing i almost always pray if i'm praying for healing i'm 99.999 percent of the time praying in tongues when someone comes up to me that maybe has not encountered tongues before then i have to kind of be like hey you're gonna hear me pray in tongues this is a quick rundown of what tongues is, right? Normally, I just explain it. It's it's a way of praying to the Lord and with the Lord where 
It's almost like a language with me and the Lord. And it's a real language. I don't know necessarily what that is. And it's a real language and it's a supernatural gift where I can I can pray and all those things of my my human flesh, right, are kind of removed and taken out of the way. And mm. So I can pray specifically, right? Like all of those maybe natural boundaries that I have of trying to pray for healing for something that I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how it works, but the Lord can can pray with me and through me, right? for those very specific things. And so normally that's kind of how I give a very, very, very brief rundown of tongues for someone. And usually just ask them if they're comfortable with that because some people aren't. And obviously you want to be respectful of that. But that's normally when I find having to give like a very short, like I said, elevator pitch almost of tongues to someone. So they don't freak out (laughs) right like what the heck is going on yeah because i think too not necessarily downplaying it but kind of just treating it as a normal thing like here here's something that's going to happen and i'm just going to lay it out for you right can actually help because i think when you make it this this big ooh, like dramatic yeah dramatic thing then Mm -hmm. people freak out about it but if you're like ah no this is normal this is just simply what it is and people are like oh that sounds that sounds okay. I can deal with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's something where I feel like, and this happens with most charismatic gifts, it's so important to provide teaching or some level of catechesis on what's going on for the new person mm. who doesn't know what's happening. And it, it creates a receptivity and an openness in them so they can better receive it. I've never had somebody say that they're uncomfortable. After I've explained it. Once you've explained, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I've never had somebody be like, nah, I would prefer that you don't pray in tongues. And I I have at least never heard feedback from people being like, that was really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had the, that was really weird. The only time I have people ask not to, but those people are rare. And it's usually somebody who's had a bad experience of somebody abusing the gift. Right. Or mm. trying to be showy and dramatic with it um, versus yep. operate in it for the building up of that person. Right. So like yep. and, and sometimes it's actually better. Like if, if you don't have the time, yeah, typically like for me, if, if I don't have the time to teach or explain it to someone new, I won't pray in tongues. I'll just pray in English with the person. Because I don't want to do something that's going to cause confusion or hinder their receptivity to what God wants to do. And it's not yep. its not like if I choose to not speak in tongues when I pray with somebody that the Lord's not going to show up because it's not how he works. Yep. But there is, it, it is a very powerful gift. And when somebody's receptive to it and you've created the foundation for them to be open and receive it, so, so, mm-hmm. so powerful. So powerful. Yep. So when we talk about gifts of tongues, you talked about your prayer tongues, right? And you mentioned that there's a couple of different, I guess we can mean when we talk about a gift of tongues. And so maybe if we can give a little bit of an overview of maybe what that is, right? So obviously my prayer tongue, doing praise and worship at my house by myself or just sitting with scripture, um, coming in there and anointing that I can pray in tongues and just pray out loud by myself in my quiet place. But 
there are other ways of praying in tongues as well. Right. So when you see the most common is obviously that prayer tongue. And um, a lot of, if you actually read Corinthians, first Corinthians 14, what's happening is Paul's addressing the church in Corinth because there are a lot of people praying in tongues and they weren't given direction, <laughs> clear direction on the distinctions of different types of tongues or how to, how to use the gift in an orderly way. There were so many people that had the gift that it became chaos <laughs> because it wasn't organized. Right. So, um, your prayer tongue, like Jill was saying, like for me, I'll use it in my private prayer. Um, I'll use it if I feel anxious in my everyday life, I'll kind of like pray under my breath in tongues. If I'm like, kind of like walking down the street and if I feel anxious and I'll notice a peace come over me, um, I don't have to be like super loud and showy with it, but there's like a peace that's released and I'll just say it lightly under my breath. Um, or obviously, and there, there are times actually I've experienced in praise and worship, like when I first came into the gift, when I was singing, where there's kind of this free praise going on during worship, um, during praise and worship where people are singing and there's a unison that happens with the tongues. And that's, that's good mm. with the prayer tongue. It's not that you need an interpretation for every single prayer tongue that's going on at the same time. There's kind of this unison that you're all uttering these mysteries unto God. So that's what Paul talks about. When, when a person speaks in tongues, he utters mysteries unto God and it's not understandable. <laughs> To the people around them, but there, there is this, um, it's good because there's, there's a unity. There's not division in the prayer. So I, I've mm. heard it where there's like these crazy, like 11 part harmonies that are happening in, in worship. Yeah. And nobody's singing a note off key. Yeah. <laughs> Which with people in the room that are tone deaf, <laughs> like you're like, how did yeah. that happen? Right. Like it's, so there, there is that and that's okay. That's actually really beautiful. But the point is you, you want it to be in unison. If, if people are singing in tongues, everybody's singing in tongues in the assembly and it's, there's a unison. I think Father Carl writes in his book that that's actually one of the confirmations that it is the gift of singing in tongues is like valid. Mm. Is that even if you are tone deaf, <laughs> that when you're singing in tongues, that, that, unison happens right and that right all those harmonies are happening and um mm -hmm. that that in and of itself that unity and stuff is a movement of the holy spirit right right so it's it's something that that's that's one setting where like a prayer tongue will operate uh, and you choose to move in it or not again you're free and um you can really a prayer tongue you can use almost anywhere because it's it's between you and the lord you know mm. And I've seen, there's a verse in chapter 14, first Corinthians chapter 14, where if you don't, this is huge. If you don't go into first Corinthians chapter 14 with the understanding that there's different types of tongues, not just a prayer tongue, there's also tongues for interpretation. When you understand that, that chapter makes so much more sense because otherwise, if you go in without that understanding, there are verses that will contradict each other. For example, mm -hmm. I've seen this verse, it's uh, verse 28 in chapter 14, that it's really, honestly, I've seen even priests like weaponize this verse 
to try and negate any use of tongues, which is not even scriptural. At the end of his chapter, at the end of Paul's chapter, he says, do not forbid speaking in tongues, <laughs> right? So, but this, this verse has been weaponized and it says, in verse 28, if no one, if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church. But in one of the other I, I, verses, I just wanted to oh, yeah. to say, uh, keep silent in church and speak to himself and God, which I think is a really important part. Sorry. Right. No, 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 no. That's good. To, that's good to mention. So that's the other half <laughs> of the verse, guys. <laughs> so, like, so keep silent in the church, but speak to himself and to God. Right. Um, but there's another verse. Paul also says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So if no one, if there's a tongue that no one will understand, that's your prayer tongue, right? That's between you and the Lord. But he also talks about how there is a tongue that is meant for interpretation and that you should not be speaking that tongue if there isn't someone there to interpret. And, and I think in looking at, if you actually read in the context of what Paul's saying in chapter 14 and try and picture chapter 14 is kind of like reading the, the warning label on a hairdryer, right? Where it's like, don't toss this hairdryer into um, a, bath, a bathtub filled with water. <laughs> you know, like That'll end badly. So what you're reading is it's corrections of things that abuses that were happening in worship and disorder that was happening in worship there. So when you're reading through it, you can kind of see and infer that, okay, in some of these times of worship and in prayer meetings, people were, there were different people that were receiving tongues, speaking at the same time and speaking over each other. And there wasn't kind mm -hmm. of this unity and this clarity of what God was doing. And so he's giving them these, basically these guidelines in scripture of, okay, if you're getting a tongue for interpretation, which is different than just a normal prayer tongue, right? If you're getting a tongue for interpretation, that one person needs to speak like, and, and people need to listen. And then it follows by having some, one person to give the interpretation. There's an order to it. There's a clarity to it. There's a unity to it um, where it all comes together. But some people will take that verse where it talks about when there isn't someone to interpret, you're to be silent, um, or you should not give a tongue without an interpretation. There, Paul's spe specifically speaking about tongues for interpretation, not about a prayer tongue, where it's just a mystery between you and the Lord. So that's a big distinction that needs to be made because people will weaponize that verse where it talks about you should not be speaking in a tongue if you don't have someone to interpret to just say that all tongues is bad. All tongues are bad. And it's just not real. And, and, and that's not consistent with why would Paul spend an entire chapter of that letter writing about the gift of tongues and how to use it and how he desires everyone to move in it if we're just not supposed to speak in it with it if there's never an interpretation? Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, I was thinking when when you're reading that, you know, that it says that he should keep silent and speak to himself and God. But St. Paul earlier in the chapter has already defined that speak, you speaking to God is speaking in tongues, right? It says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so within that verse, there's two different 
he's outlining the difference between the two. Right. Between a prayer tongue and a prophetic tongue. Right. Right. There's all these nuances with it. And you really want to go into this chapter and take your time and be discerning Mm -hmm. and recognize the sense in which it's written. It's not written in such a way where it's like, never speak in tongues. You have to be super, super careful. You always, which is very Catholic, you want to look at the context in which the scripture was written and the purpose for it. And so he was trying to actually encourage the use of it and an orderly use of it. In my time, like, I kind of started delving into a more charismatic spirituality in 2010. So it's been 10 years. Wow. In those 10 years, it's been very few and far between that I've, somebody has received a tongue for interpretation or a prophetic tongue with an interpretation. I could remember one specific example of Mm. that. So I don't think it's as, that is not as common as, yeah, as a prayer tongue or that one might think. Mm -hmm. These are really, really important distinctions and, and looking at the context of what Paul is saying, recognizing that just kind of to sum it up, the gift is real and the distinction of there's different types of tongues Um, that operate. And so having that context and also recognizing that Paul was writing this to encourage the use of it and to provide greater clarity and a better stewarding of the gift than the church in Corinth, which apparently was chaos before this was written. (laughs) Like people were coming into the gift. Yeah. Corinthians was just chaos. Basically. Oh, Corinth. I mean, if you read Corinthians, you're like, what was happening in Corinth? (laughs) The spirit was. <laughs> so we're coming up on time, Mary, and I know that we want to get to our prayer and our practical. So you know the drill. If you're listening, pull up a chair, find your quiet place, and press pause if you need to. Come back to it later. Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to fill us and our listeners right now from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet with your presence. Lord, I pray for just your peace, your anointing to just fill them right now. And Lord, I ask right now that you would just create an openness, a greater openness in their hearts towards the movements of your spirit, to your giftings. Lord, I ask that you would allow all of us, Lord, to have a greater disposition of receptivity to you and to the ways that you might want to use us, Lord, 
to build up your church. Lord, I pray for a deeper openness, particularly to the gift of tongues right now. And Lord, if there's listeners who already have the gift, Lord, I pray for an increase in that gifting. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, right now I'm just going to pray over over our listeners in tongues. And I ask that as I pray, you would just release a deep peace in their heart. Lord, that your presence would just fill and overcome them, Lord, with your love. And that you would increase that openness, Lord, through this prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just give you all of the glory for your gifts, for allowing us to co-labor with you to build up your church. As we pray, all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. That was beautiful. That's so nice. I feel very at peace uh, right now. I feel very chill. We hope that you do too, you <laughs> listening at home or in your car. So for your practical for this week, these two weeks, we really want you to to pray and to talk to the Lord about the gift of tongues. And so one great way for you to do that is to take time in your prayer when you're coming in under anointing to read and pray with chapter 14, first Corinthians. We said, if you're a real go-getter and you know, um, you will feel so inclined to do that with chapters 12 through 14. You can kind of choose depending on, you know, how much time you really have to be able to spend in prayer um, and reflection. Maybe if you're still new to praying with scripture, maybe just take chapter 14 and really try to work on that. But I know we all kind of come from different backgrounds and different experiences, and we hope that we're open to, or that, yeah, this is a safe place for people who may have questions and may be struggling through some of these things because of bad experiences or um, maybe that's just not how you grew up. And so you're just trying to wrap your brain around this, but it's good for us to talk about it and to start that conversation. But really our hope is that that conversation continues with you and the Lord. And so as we continue to talk about the gift of tongues and next week, as we kind of get more into the practical and the receptivity of it, just start using reading and praying with that scripture to start preparing your heart and to ask the Lord to really make you open and to prepare you and to maybe maybe even to heal some of those memories that might have been bad experiences 
and just to start working through some of those things and in your personal prayer time. And so that's kind of your practical challenge. It's a little less specific than it normally is, but but we really wanted to leave you with a with a, a spirit of the practical. Anyways, thanks guys. Thanks so much. And yeah, we're excited. I'm excited to to keep moving forward. So we'll we'll go more into into the gift and explaining it, breaking it down next episode. And uh, that was super fun. Hopefully it makes more sense now. Hopefully it's not this like super foreign crazy thing now for you. All right. Thanks guys. We love you. See you soon. Peace.